Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. I loved the idea of marriage young because I was not doing life alone. I knew I would be able to grow so much better through my life if I started with a very good partner. Do not expect to have incredible things before marriage in order for your marriage to be incredible. Dear young married couple, did you get married as just that, young? Are you a truly young married couple? Today we get to talk with Sarah Therese about being a young married couple. And this podcast is really aimed at those that are thinking about getting married and the challenges of being a young married couple. Yeah, she really covers uh, all things motherhood and marriage, but specifically young marriage. She got married at 19 and her husband was 20, much like Adam and I. Um, I was 19, Adam was 21. Mm -hmm. And so we get to have this raw conversation about what it looks like to be married young and how we loved getting married young, um, but also the realities of that. Yes, being poor together, the challenges, um, and then the having kids and the challenges they represent and the beauty they represent. Yes. I think um, one of the good takeaways that I got out of this and that you'll you'll see toward the end, she really dives into what it looks like to pursue your husband and also pursue your children. Yes. I loved the practical tip she gave toward the end called what she calls couch time. And uh, listen to that. It's super practical. I love the rules surrounding that idea. Um, and I think you will too. Okay. And a little bit more about Sarah. She is a YouTuber and uh, Instagrammer, but most importantly, she is a daughter of God and a wife and mother of five and still in her twenties. So she's best known for talking about marriage, motherhood, and minimalism. And she's here to talk about all of that with us today. So put your earbuds in and let's have a conversation. Welcome Sarah to the podcast. Thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm excited. And I'm so excited Aww. to meet you guys. Like I yes. really am. I love your podcast. I was listening to the one where I forget her name, but she was unpacking uh, the Song of Solomon. And I was oh, like, yes, phenomenal to me. So that was such a good listen. Oh, that was a good one for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Aww. Well, we are honored to have you with us. You have imparted so much wisdom to young women and families throughout the years. You've been on YouTube, social media for a long time since you were a teenager and sharing your story and your journey. And so we're excited to hear some of that today. Oh yeah, it's gonna be raw. And okay. I said, I said, don't, don't let me ramble because <laughs> there's so much to say, right? Like when you're talking about your life, when someone just is like, let's talk about your life. There's so much to talk about. That's um, true. Yeah. So I'll, I'll stick to the points, but I'm really excited to talk. Oh, you'll do awesome. Oh, uh, we're going to have a good time. I, I think what really st uh, stands out to me is, you know, the reach that you have and how long you've been doing it through, you know, doing it single and then married and then. You know this you know all these things now five that, children. Yeah, now five kids and um i'm really curious i want to hear your story so that'll probably be first but then how do we how do you manage 
the load. There you go. Okay, so let's rewind back. Start with wherever makes sense to start for your story. Okay, well, I let I mean, let's start at baby Sarah. So I was born into um, a very new Christian family. Mm -hmm. When my mom and dad first got married, they were both non-believers and had a wild marriage. So it, it took them about nine or 10 years to actually start having kids because they were both just going through some crazy stuff as non-believers. Mm -hmm. um, my mom became a believer kind of during that period. And then she was working with my dad. It was crazy. They had my two brothers. And then I think it was like a week or so before I was born, my dad came to knowing faith in Christ. So wow. I was born into this sudden, that new faith, like that burst of new faith family. And wow. I always had Christian parents raising me. I was raised in the church, multiple churches, because um, there was a lot of things that was just kind of going through <laughs> churches in the early sure. 2000s. And uh, my baby sister was born. So I'm one of three kids okay. and raised to be um, a believer, raised in a homeschool environment. Um, and loved every second of it. I loved my church life. I loved my homeschool life. Um, and I, I found myself to be very happy where I was. A question I get a lot of the time is like, were you happy homeschooled? Did you feel like you were um, either neglected or you, you just didn't have that chance to go out and make friends and do all the stuff like classic homeschool questions? But I really, truly loved where the Lord put me. I think around the age of 15, that was the point where I really um, came to saving grace in, in Jesus. I was going through just a time of, I could say, like my body was changing and, and mm -hmm. I found friendships really hard to navigate. And um, I started liking guys and all this crazy stuff was happening. But um, it was 15 years old. And mm -hmm. I thought at that time, if my family and everyone I knew denied Jesus, uh, praise God, I wouldn't. And, um, and that's when I went, wow, I, I'm a child of God. And I, oh, I still remember that and feel that. And I get emotional over it because it was just such a great moment for a shy, anxious 15-year-old Sarah to know of her heavenly father. Mm. Um, going from there, I... I started really uh, enjoying uh, this boy called Kieran. He went to <laughs> our church. I knew him for years. Uh, I knew I knew he existed. He didn't know I existed because okay. I was shy. I was a homebody, um, but I liked him. I thought he was interesting. I like I how you said it the first time. I started to enjoy, enjoy. this boy. I noticed that too. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I liked him because... I, I, at the time I was like, what does it mean to like someone? But I enjoyed his company. Gotcha. Um, I enjoyed, uh, being with him in a group setting. He didn't, again, he didn't know I existed, but I knew he existed. <laughs> and it was, I think at 17, we started dating. Aww. How was married. that for your family? Like, were you, <laughs> were you close to your parents and able to open up to them about this boy you were enjoying and then liking and wanting to date? <laughs> no, you know, I, um, I'm a huge journaler. So okay. the feelings that I feel go into my journal and you could al also say at the time I was quite secretive. I'm an mm. older sister. Okay. So mm. I like control and secrecy and I still <laughs> can sometimes struggle with that. I really can. I can still struggle with that. Um, so if I was going to open up to anything or anyone it was god and it was my journal okay mm. so and it's not that i didn't have a good relationship with my parents but that was just my attitude i had a younger sister rachel she's younger than me but i mean most people think she's older she's a okay. year younger than me so okay. if i was going to share with an actual human being it would have been her and i did and she knew like oh you like kieran and stuff um, but I, I wasn't open in sharing it too much with my parents because I didn't want them to be involved. Yeah. If I was going to like Kieran, it was because I did. Ah. And it had nothing to do with him. Um, <laughs> but they later told me how much they liked Kieran. And I remember thinking like, oh, 
darn it. Like I really <laughs> just wanted this affection to come from me. Um, but they loved Kieran. They loved Kieran's family. Kieran talked to my dad when I was, yeah, 17. And it wasn't, I want to date Sarah, marry Sarah, but it was, um, I like Sarah and I want to pursue her if you'll let me. And he was like, you can have my dad, you can have whatever you want, Kieran. Like you can have Sarah. If you don't like Sarah, you can have Rachel. Like we just really want you in. And I was like, oh man. man. So my parents really, really did love Kieran. They loved that they were able to watch him grow as a Christian man in the church. There was security in that. There was knowledge in who his family was. Like there was a, there was this sense of peace with Kieran. That's awesome. Um, that I guess a lot of other men couldn't bring to my parents. Do you think that confidence from your parents helped you feel confident in getting married so young? No. <laughs> um, I think for maybe some people, mm-hmm. um, but I'm someone I, I really know. I really know what I like. I'm hugely driven by by what I like and also in the case that it is aligned with the word of God. So I looked at Kieran as you love Jesus. You're a normal churchgoer, Bible study guy. Um, You do not profane him. You are not doing things that I disagree with. I looked at him and I thought you could really lead me in a beautiful marriage, but you also need me. Like I love as an older sister, I love the, idea of someone needing me. And I think a lot of women do like, we look back into like Adam and Eve and he said, I'm going to create a helper. And another word for that, like another idea of that is a strengthener. And in my heart, I'm always just like, I just want to, I want to strengthen this guy. Um, so I looked at him and thought, you're kind of needy and I like it because I want to help you. And he looked at me and thought, you need a little bit of guidance and some humbling. I'm going to help you. So I <laughs> um, love that. So yeah, I, I started dating him around 17. I would honestly say though, I wished I didn't date him for so long. Mm-hmm. We dated two and a half years before we were married. That was too long for um, us where we were at, even just sexually we were both very sexual creatures i think everybody is but for us we both had hidden sins that we were working through that also just kind of uh amped that up you could say when we were with each other and it would have been a better idea for us to remain friends group date or if we decide to date at 17 get married at 18 and it was actually doable he had a good job i was doing good as well um but we didn't but if i could go back and if i could caution my children in the future don't date long term because Mm. it's not necessary you know what's Um, interesting sarah is that that is so countercultural like right people are not for yeah getting married really young yeah and, and they're shorter. definitely not really short dating. Like you, you need to no. go test, test everything and figure out what you want. Like that's the it message is. that the, the, the world is just pushing on the church right now. Like, right. and I see young people dating for long periods of time and late into life or waiting like, Oh, I have to go and get my you know doctorate before I start considering bringing a, another person into my life. Like, what do you have? Like, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of women and guys that have this mindset. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you, what advice or what wisdom would you like try to work with there? Sure. I mean, it's true. Our culture is obsessed with sampling and they will continue to sample until they taste something that they like. Um, and, and yeah, it's like, we're basically a Costco, right? Like just keep trying the samples. And if you like it, then you can go ahead and buy it in bulk. Mm. For me, I, I looked again, I looked at Kieran and there was, there was the primary things I needed in a husband that I could see at the time he could fulfill. Yeah. Mm. Um, I didn't want him to be perfect though, because if he was perfect, That'd mean I would have to be perfect as well. 
or my sin would look horrible compared to his perfection. We're obsessed with trying to find, it has to be the perfect color on my walls. It has to be the perfect couch. This book has to be the perfect book. We're obsessed with perfection and it goes right down into our dating relationships. And for me, it was just, it was, what are my, what are my prime things? What is something that, um, is important to me to have in my husband. And, Mm. and I saw these important things in Kieran. I felt secure in those things. I felt the Lord leading me here. And I mean, ever since I was a young girl and people, you would have like these homeschool co-ops. And the question (laughs) was, what do you want to be when you grow up? My answer was a mom. Mm. I want to be a mom and I want to be a wife. That was always in Mm. my heart. I loved watching my mom, mom. And I loved watching her be a wife. And I, I mean, I grew up with the romantic books and Laura Ingalls Wilder. Like I was just (laughs) obsessed with the home and it was something I really wanted to pursue. I also decided like I graduated 16, 17 from Mm -hmm. high school. And the next, as soon as I could, I went to college for cosmetology and it gave me a taste of what uh, work was, Mm -hmm. what something outside of really what God created me for was. God created me to, personally for me, to be a wife, to be a mama, to honor the Lord in that and to make up a home. Mm -hmm. Um, And and just traditional family, right? Like that's, I feel like that is what God has made many women to do. So when I went into cosmetology, I remember thinking like, this is so great. This is so fun, but this is not where I want to be long-term. I worked in salons. This is great. This is fun. Not where I want to be long-term. I want to be growing with my husband. I never had this idea of, I want to be here before I'm married. It was once I'm married, I'm going to start growing in this area. I want to start pressing forward in this area. I loved the idea of marriage young because I was not doing life alone. I didn't want to do life alone. I, I, as a woman, I really had that desire to rely on my husband for security, for support. And then my husband really relied on me for even just basic stuff, organization, uh, tending to his needs, uplifting him. There were certain things that I knew I would be able to grow so much better through my life if I started with a very good partner. Hey guys, we've got an exciting announcement that's bound to set your hearts on fire. As you know, we believe in the kind of relationships where conversations about sensitive topics like sex and intimacy can happen with ease. But after conversations and sessions with so many of you, we know that people carry barriers and misconceptions about these topics. And it's often rooted in childhood or personal beliefs about the Bible and sex. But don't you worry, we have something incredible coming your way. It's time to take your marriage to a whole new level. Introducing the Eros Conference. Eros, derived from the Greek word for erotic love, is the passionate, sensual, and romantic love that fuels the fire of intimacy between a husband and wife. It's the kind of love that intensifies with selflessness and diminishes with selfishness. It's a love that reflects our creator. God uses marriage and sexuality as a parallel to demonstrate his love to the church. And we're here to help you understand that connection on a deeper level. So mark your calendars and get ready for an experience like no other. The Eros Conference is coming to three convenient locations in 2024. And trust me, you want to be there. First up, join us in Indianapolis on January 26th through 27th, 2024. It's gonna be a memorable start to the year. Or if you want a hot summer vacay, pack your bags and head to the Gulf Coast. On June 21st and 22nd, 2024, we'll be in Biloxi, Mississippi. And finally, we're wrapping up our year in Houston on November 1st and 2nd, 2024. It's going to be a Texas-sized experience. (laughs) All right, guys. So don't waste time. Your marriage deserves the best. And the Eros Conference is where it all begins. At Eros, we're going to bring you biblically-based and scientifically sound tools. So join us because it's time to strengthen your emotional and sexual intimacy and feel more connected than ever. Just click the link in the show notes to register. We'll see you there.
how long did it take you to go from f- being frustrated with his deficits to being thankful for h- his presence or the things he brings? Mm. Oh, Kieran or God? Uh, Kieran. Kieran, okay. Um, I, I think it is something that I continue to work through. And that is not to say, because I mean, you first get married and it's like, oh, it's so lovely and lovey-dovey and whatever. But it's not too long where you go like, oh my goodness, like you put the whole ketchup bottle on the counter when it's time for hot dogs. Like you don't like pour the ketchup into like a bowl and we spoon it. Like there's certain things where you're like, wait, excuse me. There's those things that are just, they're little. And you go, and instead of being like, I can't believe he does that. It's just something, oh, that's really cute that he does that but then there are some things that you see sin or you see something in your spouse's life and you go um when it is addressed in love it's beautiful to work through he does that to me and he said i'm seeing this in in your life and in your heart and i think we need to talk about it if this is kind of going back and forth we're, it's iron sharpening iron, right? right? Again, we're growing together. And he never, Karen doesn't say things to me in a way to belittle me, but to grow me and vice versa. So there, there are certain things, especially early on in marriage when I went, he does this? And a lot of it was just silly things. But then you would also see some things and go, this is sin in your life. And I remember reading through, I think it was Matthew, but it's when Jesus is being tempted and his reaction to sin is be gone, Satan, exclamation point. And and that was how we needed to look at each other. If there is something that you're not pulling through or I'm seeing sin here, be gone. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about this. Um, But it's ongoing. That's the thing. Like, yeah, you'll get to this point where I go, oh, my Prince Charming, it's so perfect. And then something else will come up and I go, we got to work through this again. Um, so I guess we we kind of continually are sharpening each other right. towards goodness and glorifying God. It's not like it, it suddenly stopped. But I feel like I was happier to do this after I had my third child. Oh. That was when I really had this turn in my heart where it was more aimed towards loving Kieran then correcting him because he bothered me. That's you good. know what I mean? Mm. So um, it, it took three kids. And also I was so young. I think I had my third when I was 23. Wow. wow. That so is so very, young. very young. Yeah. So I was so young, so young, but again, I was not, I was not growing up alone. Yeah. I was growing mm. up with Kieran. I love that. Yeah. That's something yeah. that, that we've talked about, even in the context of like going to school, that's one of the excuses people make, right? Like I want to, I want to get right. done with school first before I get married. Why not go to school together? Like why mm-hmm. not right. grow together? Whether that's right. in marriage and motherhood in school in your career, whatever it is, like you can do life together mm-hmm. and be exponentially yeah. more powerful and effective. And, and it will work. And I would just highly recommend, this is just me being a mom. I would just highly recommend that if you are getting married, do not get married with the outlook of what people do on social media, because we see these huge houses and these brand new vehicles and think, oh, I can only get married once I'm at that point. Right. Me and my husband got married. We bought a $30,000 mobile at the time Uh on basically a swamp. It was crazy. <laughs> it was absolutely crazy. Uh, we had old, 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 old used vehicles. Uh, we thrifted everything we needed. We lived small. Uh-huh. And and we lived there and thought, that if this is how we're going to do it, this is how we're going to do it. And Lord willing, the only way left is up because <laughs> it was small and it was mildly dangerous to live in. But <laughs> mildly we, dangerous, <laughs> mildly dangerous. But we made it work, and That's we good. ended up having three kids in that mobile. Oh, wow, having to move our king size bed, queen size bed, into the kitchen because there wasn't enough room 
for all of us. There wasn't, I could sit on the end of my bed and touch the fridge. That's where we were. (laughs) We had to do what we had to do to make things work. Do not expect to have incredible things before marriage in order for your marriage to be incredible. Because Lord use that mobile in ways I, I would have never dreamed of, Mm. would have never dreamed of the Lord worked in my heart in that crazy mobile. He used that. He used it. So it was beautiful. Um, and it was, and it was just, I couldn't put my security into this mobile. I couldn't. It really had to be, I remember me and Kieran just grabbing each other's shoulders at night and being like, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Like, like pep talking each other, because sometimes you'd look around and be like, there's, there is a mushroom growing in the corner and there's only one bedroom. And like, how are we going to do this? But, but the Lord really worked through us in our hearts and we were not experiencing marriage in its fullest because of where we lived, but just in its fullest because we were married and we were working towards each other. So, so good. And that was awesome. The mobile. I, we, we could like so relate because we got married at, um, 19 and 21. I had just gotten a really bad car wreck and, um, like I was out of a job for like six months right before I asked her to marry me, which was a great idea. And I lost my own car, like, you know, total my car. And so when we first moved into our house, it was like one bedroom, super small. Um, it was the lower story of someone's vacation house. Uh, and I think our rent was $450 a month. Yep. (laughs) And yes, it was, it was super amazing. Yeah. But it was the best, right? We had, we didn't even have a couch cause I didn't have money. Well, we had a futon, you know, those things that like, Oh yeah. Go on that like stand. And if you like sit on it wrong, it, you tip off together. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, oh yes. The little saucer. We're literally falling for each other. It was, oh, but it was, it was, it was the best time of our life. Yeah. And you learn mm-hmm. so much of dependency on God. And dependency on each other and it's not about things it's not materialistic it's just like yeah. okay <laughs> this yeah. is what we have let's be thankful and grateful right yeah That's yeah so we good. could definitely relate to that so thank you for sharing this push toward young marriage yeah, I, I want to riff off something you said yeah a little bit ago because you're talking about growing together and and but gently gently addressing things because iron sharpens iron and it that that image of gently gently addressing things you know when you're sharpening something like a knife you 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 can sharpen two knives together we have to be very delicate in the pressure and the angles you can't bang them together or you're not sharpening your denting and i thought that's a beautiful image of like the way we sharpen is is very delicate and very gentle with each other but Mm -hmm. through that process there will be something more efficient and more beautiful Mm -hmm. that comes out of it. Mm, Tender sharpening is what we call it. Mm. Tenderness. Yeah. That's our, I feel like that's been our word recently, especially with the kids. It's be tender. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Tenderness. But there is that, that, that gentle and that softness. And we see that with, um, with Jesus, with his children. And he is just, He's soft. I can't think of the author, but he wrote the book Gentle and Lowly. And it's Mm. just talking about Jesus and his love, his humble heart and his softness. And he lays that out for us to do in all relationships in our our, uh, marriages and as a mama and friendships and and people we're just meeting who's in front of us at the grocery store, right? Like, yeah, that beautiful, soft tenderness. There's nothing like it. And it's yeah, only from God. It, it is, is only from God. Because in my heart, in my heart, I want to be harsh and I want to be angry and I want to take things and I want to squish them and I want to do this stuff. Um, but the Lord, the Lord is soft with his children. And he yeah. has laid that out as an example for us. Mm, and that's, that's why good. I love reading his word because it's just through it over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So good. It's, you know, God is gentle with us. And I I think he's put our spouses in our lives to practice 
they're the for, yeah. first line of defense for the rest of his kids in the world of like, hey, work out your gentleness and your kindness. It's sanctification. With this person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then you could try it on other people, you know. That's right. right. So oh, good. So, so good. you and Kieran really committed to just that spiritual lens of seeing each other as um, people that you were nurturing. You were coming alongside to nurture each other in Christ. And so when you had a correction or an observation of something annoying or something sinful, you addressed it gently, but also through that spiritual lens. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. And it wasn't easy. And to be honest, so much of the time, it would have been easier if I just didn't say anything or if Kieran just didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And, and to say this, like also just so people, people who are listening know me and Kieran have not had a perfect marriage. We have gone through crazy stuff. Um, but this crazy stuff, we always look back and we look and we see now it has brought us to our knees in, um, in asking for forgiveness in repentance. And we never have certain things on the table as an option. Divorce is not an option. Um, leaving is not an option. Um, complete sleeping separate. This is not an option. There are certain Mm -hmm. things that we have to work through without other things just being an option. It's good. Um, There's so many of my non-Christian married friends and these are all an option and they live in fear. They live in fear. If I say this, he'll divorce me because this is on the table as an option. But what's so cool is that me and Karen can not only be open, but know that there's so much graciousness in that because we don't have to fear divorce, separation, um, we will have to deal with hurt sure. and we'll have to deal with loneliness and that burden feeling of just like, oh, this situation sucks. Mm-hmm. But because we both love Jesus, we are pointed back to each other. We are pointed back to his word mm-hmm. and we are brought to our knees in prayer. Like what mm-hmm. a beautiful thing to do. So when, when I see my non-Christian friends go through crazy stuff, it is not iron sharpening iron. They're denting each other, right? They're mad. Um, but for me and Kieran, it's so tender. It's so soft. I loved that, Adam. I loved that idea of just those blades just soft on each other. Because yeah. if they're not, it won't work. Right. See, I'm rambling. I told you guys. I would just... <laughs> no, it's Ooh. so good. That's Love good. conversations okay. like this. Okay, so Sarah, you're, you're good about not avoiding the taboos. You like to tackle them. Uh, and we have a lot of taboos in, in the church. And one of those is sexuality. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how having five kids now, how recently did you have your fifth child? Oh, he's almost a year. Okay. <laughs> wow. So having five children that are, how old? Give us the, the oldest. All right, I got a seven-year-old, an almost six-year-old, an almost five-year-old, a two-year-old, and an almost (laughs) one-year-old. Okay, so five kids that are seven and under. Um, Talk to us about how that impacts your sex life and how maybe your sex life has changed over the years. Mm, Yes, it has changed for the better, for the better. The kids now are kind of like what our mobile was. Like it was just that thing that was in the way and we're grabbing each other's shoulders being like it's gonna be fine <laughs> i love that image now these kids will just be everywhere and kieran grabs my shoulder he's like it's gonna be fine and i'm like i know and, i think and we're gonna adopt that sarah yes. we're gonna it's gonna be it's fine fabulous <laughs> and it makes you laugh though yeah. it makes you and we giggle about it yeah. and we love being parents but um Having kids has done a few things for us in our sex lives. Firstly, it has made us be very creative mm-hmm. because, again, they're everywhere. Like, the, and the more you have, the more they spread out. Like, this right? is what they do. Um, so, what's fun about that is you have to be creative with uh, with timing. Intimacy is not just in the bedroom as well. That's right. Preach that louder for the people in the back. Intimacy doesn't just happen in the bedroom. Intimacy happens in your day-to-day life, doing your day-to-day normal stuff. Mm. Um, That was something that was really huge for me and Kieran when we figured that that out probably, how many many kids do we have until we figured that out? And we realized 
our intimacy and that part of our lives was growing and shaping more when we were actually not in the bedroom, not to say uh, that intimacy with your husband or spouse or whatever in the bedroom is wrong. Right. But if that is the only thing fueling your marriage, it's not, you're actually pulling yourself back from so many other opportunities. Right. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is that having, having these kids has made us see sex and intimacy as something more than just physically being together, like and emotionally mm-hmm. being together. And I think the childbearing years <laughs> can be very difficult, but it showed me how God really used intimacy for so much more than just one purpose, two purposes. It it's kind of like a fan. Like I always see those Chinese fans that I thrift for my kids and you see it as a stick, but then when you open it up, there's so much more to it. And then it actually has use. And I think about that with intimacy. If you're using intimacy just with a closed fan or it's kind of open a little bit, cool. But when you really open up intimacy and it becomes emotional, mental, conversation, physical, spiritual, you get this huge fan and you're able to use it properly. Um, So, And I think it has made me realize how well intimacy works between a man and a woman, AKA how God meant it to be. That's right. And I've been someone who's hugely struggled with my identity. I went through a time 15, 16, 17, where I, I grew up in purity culture. So guys were freaky. Guys were sexual creatures. All they wanted was my body. I didn't like that. I actually found security in Kieran because he didn't act like that. Um, He was going through a lot of stuff. A lot of young guys do, but he did not display it in a way which so many other men did. Mm -hmm. So, but I could look at him and I went, I think I feel safe with you. I think I like your attitude and I think you would take care of me. But I grew up in purity culture and I really struggled with men because purity culture painted men as being the problem. And then also my body helped to feed that. So I can't say I had problems with my body because I was an older sister and I liked myself a lot. But I could say that I feared men in a lot of ways, in a way that I didn't fear women. Mm. So there was a pull towards women. And that was just after I came to faith in God. And I went, oh, like this is my first huge hit. And I'm, I'm in my, I'm reading my word and I am freaked out by men and I'm feeling secure in the presence of women. And, and that's not something I ever talk about a bunch because it is, it's kind of weird. It's weird to talk about, but purity culture kind of did that for me. Well, and that's reality for a lot of young women, even just that questioning phase, they mm-hmm. may have met their husband and now they're in a, you know, a healthy marriage, but maybe they still deal with some condemnation from the questioning or the experimenting as a teen. Right. And so maybe you could speak to those women who are like, I relate with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and which there are a lot. And I feel like a lot of ladies in my age group do because I, I was in like the purity culture yeah. circle. Like it was mm-hmm. just happening. Um, reading the word was huge. Yeah. I, I found great peace when I was in God's word. And when I prayed to him, mm-hmm. um, I knew, I knew that I did not want what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I knew as as a child of God, that even though maybe I was feeling these emotions towards women or I was freaked out by men, I knew that this was sin that needed to be fought. Um, And it was hard because there was people even in our kind of extended family, there was same-sex couples and stuff. And I would look at them and go, that looks safe. And I like that there's no experimenting and you kind of know what you're getting into. And, um, I feared vulnerability. Right. So I would encourage doing research and talking to people. 
I didn't talk to people and, and I wish I did. Yeah. I wish I knew who I could have talked to. I wish I had the opportunity to, but I was also 15, 16, I wasn't driving. So if I was really going to need help, I would have had to tell people in my life who could drive to bring me there. And I felt at the time, I felt shame. It was something I was just continually carrying. Um, I am thankful that God pulled me through that and that he's given me three daughters, three crazy daughters (laughs) that I will be able to guide them through this, if they are ever to meet something like this, I will be able to guide them through from what I've experienced. So good. I don't look back on it and regret it. I don't. I don't regret the feelings that I felt. I may had. I may have had shame. I do not live in that shame now. Praise God. Yeah. But I. I carried that shame, and I am looking back and me and my kids are memorizing this great poem but it pretty much talks about how we are finally seeing the sun rising we can finally see the dawn that god has shone at last and that's where i'm at i'm looking at that is that light coming up and i'm going there it is and me and the kids say this poem we always point to the sky there it is and the sun is coming up while we're doing this and that's how i feel now it, and praise God, I can look back on that time and I can really think that it was so sad for me to go through that alone. Yeah. And, um, and I feel, I do, I feel for, for that young Sarah, mm-hmm. but I can look back on it now and see how it has prepared me now to raise my daughters, to, to talk about anything like this that may come up. Right. Um, and then to also look at my own identity and have just full knowledge that I am a woman and mm-hmm. I was made in the image of God. I am a daughter of a king mm-hmm. and I am exactly where I need to be. Mm-hmm. I'm exactly with whom I'm supposed to be. And this feels so right. So that was a crazy thing to go through. New Christian girl doing it on my own. I wish I had someone to talk to. I didn't. I found more healing later when certain people like Jackie Hill Perry, Rosaria Butterfield, they came forward talking about how they had same-sex attraction, purity culture issues, whatever. And I actually found kind of healing later on listening to their story because at the time when I was a younger girl I was just struggling with battling the sin and I knew it was wrong and I knew I didn't want it but I knew that I still yeah. did want it like it was yeah. something I struggled with um and and I just kind of pushed it and it was fine mm-hmm. and then I found healing later pregnancy hugely helped I was able to really look at my body my husband's body and see what we were made for and how beautiful things happen when we are together. Right. So that was really powerful to, to feel, to feel irreplaceable is a great feeling Um, to feel like you're right where God wanted you to be is a great feeling. And for you to strive after that too, and to not sulk and be like, I didn't want to be here, but just rejoice in where he brought me through and where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that even people listening, um, may have never felt those feelings, but from counselors who work with hundreds of people, um, that's more common than people mm-hmm. think. Oh yeah, those questions. Yes. Um, just because we don't trumpet them, um, and it's very difficult for some people to be vulnerable, like right. you were talking about. Totally. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I <clears throat> resonate with so many things that you said. Like I was one of five. I was the oldest of five. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Who's and homeschooled. And yeah, so I get a lot of that. And Mm -hmm. I think I loved so many aspects of it. Um, There are definitely some things that I wish were maybe different, but vulnerability was difficult for me the same way. Like Mm -hmm. I wrote a lot, um, but it's difficult, I think, 
um, that was, I don't know why, maybe I was, I was just thinking about, is that because of my homeschooling? Uh, I don't know. I had tons of friends, but I didn't learn vulnerability until later on in my life as well. Mm -hmm. But unanswered, or I should, I should think deep, shameful questions are, they could be shame. I held them as shame. Um, if not talked about with community becomes heavy. Yeah. And so find people that you love and I guarantee you, um, it won't be as heavy after the conversation. And I always tell people too, just flip the reverse, the, the conversation. So act like someone came to you with those heavy thoughts. Would you Hmm. repulse them? Would you throw them away? Or would you see them in a different light and say, I respect you. I value you. Thank you for opening up to me. Right. And, and then how fast would you reciprocate? Almost always I hear people say, oh, of course I, I would love to open up or have someone open up to me because that would give me the green light because that was courageous. Yeah. And and I would even plant it into the hearts of people. And this is something I've been trying to do, but it's hard because I'm still young, but I, I love, there are certain ladies in our church that will seek out women. Mm. And because so much of the time it's hard for women who are really struggling it's hard for them to seek people out. They're already emotionally drained and they're ashamed, but it really just takes one woman or one man to come to, to a brother or sister in Christ and go, how can I pray for you? And that is going to open up so much. So I'm still young though. Like if I came to someone, they'd be like, what? Like, cause I'm still younger. Like there are some very young girls that I've been able to talk to at church Good. and that's great. But I'm really meaning like if I'm a 15 year old girl, if, if someone that was in their thirties or forties came to me and said, can I help you? Can I pray for you? Yeah. That would have hugely changed my entire situation. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and I would yeah. encourage you, Sarah, even in your late twenties, you <laughs> have a lot of wisdom and experience with and marriage respect. and motherhood. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, you've, mentored people that you don't even know i think you're pretty qualified i would to say mentor don't, someone don't despise person. your youth mm. yeah yeah no that's good Adam. just to quote a really wise person that yeah <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> good. but do you find like okay so for me i felt vulnerable like what you said adam because i had unanswered questions yeah and there i remember as clear as glass. I remember asking certain people in my life these questions and the answer was, we've already talked about that. Mm. Uh, apparently I didn't remember because I was so young or you don't need to talk about that yet. That's something we don't have to talk about. So now mm. I'm in a position where I feel vulnerable because I have questions that are unanswered. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, I am also easily able to Google anything I want. Yep. Yep. It is so much safer for me to come to someone that I know and love and ask them a question and for them to answer it than for me to go onto Google and find things I shouldn't find and find things that I, oh, I do like that. Why do I like this? And a lot of it, I was just curious. Right. I just want to know. And even before this was so, this was so sad. Two weeks before I got married, I realized I did not know how sex went. I'm 19, so I'm still young. But like at this point, I would have loved to know how sex went. Didn't know how sex went. And I asked some people in my life and and I was not getting answers. And I remember crying and just being like, I want to be this woman for my husband. I want to delight in each other. I'm reading through Song of Solomon being like, I'm going to get married soon. This is going to be great. And, and But I'm just, I'm hazy. And I had to, I didn't have to, but I did. And maybe this was a bad thing, but I'm actually glad I did. It was, it was a sex documentary and it was actually quite clean. Praise God. Good. But they walked me through, this is what sex was. And I thought this would have been so much nicer to hear from someone else in my life. Yes. So I, I'm that crazy lady at church that I keep eyes on all these people. Yes. I'm like, Hey, if you got question, if you need to talk to someone like come to me, yes. go down. And I think also maybe because I'm younger, yeah. maybe because of my youth, it might be easier to talk to me about this than maybe like a 60 or 70 year old lady. That's right. yeah. and I, I know I, that. I think but, something uh, that people have to remember is what is it? The uh, proximal development? Yeah. The zone of proximal development. Like, 
just being one one rung higher on the ladder is all it takes to give wisdom or to give knowledge to someone. Wow. You don't have to be easier. like on like this, you know, Edistool. you know, 500 feet because you right. lose touch with that person. Well, and it's hard to reach down to that person if you're that much higher. And That's so right. being that one rung above them, and this is, this goes for anything developmentally speaking, you know? So mm-hmm. that's why the second child often learns faster than the first child. Cause they're, you know, their sister or brother that's a year or two older than them is one rung above them on that ladder and teaching them. So I think the same goes for sexual development. You know, you Mm -hmm. as a 20 something who is much more relatable to these teenagers than the 50, 60 year old person. um, I think you have a lot to give. And it's interesting. You said, you know, it would have been a lot safer to go to somebody to learn rather than researching on my own. But the, the hard part about that statement is that it feels so much more emotionally safe for a young person to go research with their friend Google. And especially if they got those responses from parents or mentors or youth pastors that said, you don't need to know about that. We've already talked about that. Ooh, man, there's a wall. I'm not safe anymore. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you feel so much safer going to an anonymous source. Yeah, you do. And again, that control. I just wanted control. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, and I'm a, I'm a planner, prepare. I need to be prepared. So if I'm going into marriage and I'm doing all this crazy stuff, I'm going to need pre- to be prepared so I can do it properly or have an idea of where to start. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but you know what was so great is that I have a younger sister that I was able to share and talk to and talk with That's good. just before she got married. Not even just before, while she was engaged. Let's mm-hmm. talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and that that was lovely. I honestly, I found it was healing for me and super cool for me to do for her. <laughs> That's awesome. And, um, and I do, I want to be that cool mom. I want to be that mom to my kids, to my girls, that they feel that safety and security to come to me and let's talk about it. And my kids know stuff that I didn't know just before I got married because they're asking and they're, they're curious. And of course you got to be careful and use discretion. But I look at some of my kids and I'm like, you are, you can totally take in this information. You don't have to fully understand it, but there is, there is a plus to a child having their curiosity for fully, um, satisfied yes because otherwise they're going to be going other places well they'll go to their friends that's (laughs) right i want them to come here or google i want them to be safe i want them to be safe here and and this is this is literally a lifelong pursuit i'm constantly pursuing my kids um, in a very different way than i'm pursuing my husband but Mm -hmm. i i want to be i want to be safe my kid that is a huge desire for me and and i also i have to make sure that's not selfish Mm -hmm. i don't want my kids to come to me because i don't want my kids to think wow mom is so great she knows everything i want them to just have peace and safety with me that is a huge goal yep of mine yeah Yeah. all right last question before our closing question um (laughs) so you mentioned the pursuit of your kids in a different way than you pursue your husband Talk a little bit about that pursuit. If balance is the right word, if it's not, tell us what is. Um, mm-hmm. But not necessarily just your sex life changing, but that pursuit of your husband while you're trying to pursue your children at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Um, one of the best things I can actually do for my kids is reassure them that my marriage is doing very well. Um, kids, scientifically, are so much healthier. They do better in every area of their life from school to sleep. If they know mama and papa love each other and are together, this is, this is their cornerstone. Um, and they will know, they'll know if something is wrong. Your kids will know it sometimes even before you do. And they'll go, something's wrong, mom, dad, something's going on. Um, So what I realized is my pursuit of my children actually really starts with my pursuit of my husband. (laughs) One of the coolest things that I do, that me and Kieran do during the day, and it's different for everybody. When Kieran worked, like his 
five to nine, not nine to five, five to nine job, this was more difficult. But what I do and what Kieran does is every day we have something and it's called couch time. It's what my parents did. And when me and Kieran are having couch time, the kids are allowed to be present. They're allowed to be here. They're not allowed to be too loud. They have to be respectful. They cannot touch me or Kieran. Um, they cannot talk to me and Kieran. They are allowed to observe if they like, but this is the time where me and Kieran are sitting together and talking. It's a touch point during the day because there's so much happening. We come together. This is usually in the morning before homeschool and all this other stuff starts, but this is our touch point. This is when we get together and we just talk. Um, this is a beautiful time for us to connect plan. And this is a great time for our kids to actually see me and Kieran working on our relationship. My kids have joy when we're sitting down, one of them comes up and I say, Oh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth you got to go somewhere else. This is just me and Papa time. I just want to spend time with Papa. And the joy that this girl has, she does not feel like she is small or annoying, but she sees the need for me and Kieran to be together far more than she's going, I I want to be with you guys. She sees this need more. It's Um, good. I totally agree with that. I Mm -hmm. recently uh, Adeline, our daughter, um, we were welcoming Adam home from a three-day missions trip. He took just helping out and he came home and, you know, we were all, you know, welcome home, daddy, you know, and Adeline said, mommy, you should go have private time with daddy. Oh, yes. <laughs> and she's six, you know. Amazing. They know, oh, right? Yes. They do. Yeah, it's so important. They need to make sure that you guys are still fine because yeah. that's, that's her security. Right. Huge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Huge, right? So the more time that me and Karen really do spend together with our kids present, because we want them to see, mm-hmm. we want them to see what's going on. Um, but the more that me and Karen are together, our kids just thrive. There was this one man, Gary Ezzo. He's a little crazy, but I like him. And he <laughs> talked about couch time and he was talking to this one couple and they said, our kid, never sleeps at night, always crawls into bed with us. We haven't slept in years on our own. Our kid is constantly climbing into bed. And Gary's main question to this man was, well, how often do you guys hang out during the day? When is your couch time, your together time? And the man said, oh, no, no. Like, as soon as I get home, I'm with my daughter on the floor. We're together. We're playing. We're doing all this stuff. And he said, no, no. Like, when do you see your wife? When do you stop and just you're with your wife and he said no no like I give my daughter everything I give her everything and he said I want you to reverse it Gary Ezzo said when you come home I want you to say hi to your daughter give her a kiss and spend the rest of the evening with your wife and I want you to do this for a week and this is going to solve the sleeping problem and this man said I will eat my shirt there's no way A week later, this man, he starts unbuttoning his shirt. He's about to eat it because he said, I can't believe how well I'm sleeping. My kid is sleeping. He said, what what is it? And Gary Ezzo said, the only time your daughter is seeing you guys together is in bed. And that is enough for her to climb into your bed every single night because she is fighting for security. Isn't that powerful? So people ask me constantly, Sarah, how in the world are you sleeping so well at nighttime? Like I have five kids. All my kids sleep through the night. All of them. I do not have issues. It is so rare and it's only due to sickness uh, (laughs) if I ever have issues. But it is really because in the presence of my kids, me and Kieran are nurturing our relationship. It's just vital for these kids. So that's kind of what our daily pursuit will look like. We also, me and Kieran, because we have so many kids, it's hard to get out of the house. So sometimes we'll just do in-house date nights. Kids know it's, they're going to go to bed early. So me and Kieran can order in food, have an in-house date night, game night, puzzles, whatever. And the kids know that they're excited. They keep us accountable for it. (laughs) That's kind of our pursuit, which is beautiful. Yes. I love Um, that. And then just quick, like, oh, go go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. Because... Krista said something. Hold on. <laughs> pursuing, pursuing my kids is seeking them out every single day. And it's as simple as 
how are you? It is that simple. And I will have some kids in a day and they'll go, yeah, I'm good. And then some kids tears and just, mm. I need to talk to you, mama. I, I love seeking out my kids, including my baby, who's like not even one, but I love seeking them out because they want to know that I want to make sure they're fine. Yeah. They want to be sought out. One of the coolest things about the sheep getting lost is that the sheep is not looking for its shepherd. This sheep, no, the shepherd <laughs> is looking for the sheep. Right. That's what he's doing. Yep. So, and, and it's not like, oh, I got time. I'm going to look for my sheep. I'm going to leave these 99 sheep so I can just find this one. Mm. So for me, it's like, I have to leave homeschool dishes, errands, all this stuff, because I just need to find this one. So the, the most beautiful way I have been able to pursue my kids is just actively seek them out every single day. So it can cool. honestly sometimes take a minute. Uh, sometimes I find us in a half an hour crying session and I'm like, we are just in tears right now. Like there was so much that needed to be dealt with. And if you're finding it hard to seek out your kids, because I know how hard it can be. We have something that's just called the stool system in every single room in our house. There's a stool, there's a bench and you are welcome to, if I'm making food, please come up on the stool and join me because you're welcome here. We have it in the bathrooms, the kitchen, we have it in the living room, everywhere. Love it. Because we just constantly, you're, you're so welcome here. You're so invited. And that's, that's kind of how I balance that. That's good. I, it's not perfect, but it's beautiful and it works great. And sometimes you're going to go, oh, it's been a day and I haven't sought anyone out and I haven't had couch time and whatever. Um, but his, his mercies are new that's right. every single morning. You try it again. You try it again. That's so good. Well, people remember that. <laughs> yes, such practical wisdom. So how can people find you, Sarah? Oh, yeah. I'm kind of sprinkled everywhere. I'm Sarah Therese Co. on Instagram as well as on YouTube. On YouTube, so that this kind of newer. I started a new YouTube channel in June. It is a channel that is so simple. I wanted to make something that was not taking away from my time as a mama. So it's basically me filming what I'm up to as a homemaker. It's hugely food related because food is so important to me uh -huh. <laughs> and my great. kids. So that's there up on YouTube. And I'm actually, I'm starting to make a website in the new year, great. fully brand new. It's all the bells and whistles. I don't understand how it works, but I've hired someone who does. Great. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we will link your Instagram and your YouTube in the show notes so folks can go find your resources. And as we close, we're going to ask you the question we ask everybody on our podcast. And that is rewind back to your first couple of years of marriage. What advice do you wish you would have received and fill in the blank, dear young married couple? Hmm. The advice I wish I would have received. I wish someone, I wish someone told me, <laughs> I wish someone told me that my time and energy towards making my home a paradise for my husband was not a waste of time. I remember working so hard. I wanted my home to just be that place. He would come home and it was just where he wanted to be. I had fear from all these ladies in my life going, oh, like my husband comes home and he's just annoying. And, and I hear from the husbands, I get home and I'm just stressed. And I remember praying and being like, Lord, give me the tools so I may use them to make my home a paradise for my husband mm. as soon as he comes home. Um, I hope he speeds on his way home because <laughs> he's so excited to get there. Aww. And once I started making a home and a, and a place of, of peace for my husband, I had so many women in my life just being like, that's a waste of your time. Aww. It's a waste of your time. It, husbands, they don't want to be at home. I felt discouraged. I wish someone encouraged me and went, you're doing the right thing. That's so important. I felt discouraged and sometimes I found it hard to actually just upkeep because so many people were kind of tearing me down. Right. Um, wow. Well, that's so yeah, wisdom. That, that's so yeah, good. I think my the, wish. the women <laughs> listening can receive that as an encouragement. So 
Thank you cool. so much, Sarah. Thank for you, your Sarah. Story, yeah, thank you. Your tools, so practical. And we appreciate what you're pouring into your community and now ours. Cool. Thank you, Adam, Krissa. Thank you so much. Do you want help getting to the next level in your ministry or personal development? We would love to help coach you. I made this statement before. Everyone needs a counselor. Just think about it. Every person competing at the highest levels has someone in their corner. Yeah, leadership doesn't have to be lonely, and we would love to help you. Just shoot us a text, 916-678-1797. And you can also find out more information at DearYoungMarriedCouple.com. P.S. You don't have to be married to get some help. So just reach out, contact us. We'd love to walk alongside you.